Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Last week, we're talking about understanding faith as far as what the Bible teaches, and um, we looked at the scriptures that talk about faith that we received and the area where the instant you're born again, God gave you a measure of his faith, a measure of his faith. Now, what I'm teaching is so, so very important as far as being a follower of Jesus, because we are supposed to be living the life of faith or operating in faith. Now, God said without faith, it is impossible to please him. And that we, we broke that down a while back as far as what that means in the area of pleasing God. It's the same as pleasing a parent, pleasing a father. You please your parents by hearing and doing. It's so easy. Every parent is pleased by their child obeying. Their child recognizing uh, your, your home rules or your principles in your house and doing them. And that's pleasure. That's a natural, natural picture of a spiritual truth with God. So he's saying that he wants pleasure in the area of faith. Now, when you think about faith, there's the concept of religious faith, there's natural faith, and then there's the Bible faith. And we're looking at what the Bible faith is all about. Natural faith, we're born with it. We all have a, it, it's, it's like faith in, in our parents going, okay, you've been in my house consistently up to five years old, and now I'm going to drop you off in some place you don't even know anybody. Enjoy life. Now, there's a place of faith there where that child has to go into a, uh, an atmosphere they've never been in. Never. You know, you, we've been so secure in watching over them and, and making sure who they're hanging out with. Then all of a sudden, we drop them with 50 other kids. We're like going, yeah, this is life. And so, from the point of our, our existence, there's this position of faith where we have to operate in a trust. And that's natural faith. The thing is, is the natural faith is tied to what? It's tied to our senses. So in the area of trust, we, we, we're limited to the point where we say, well, I don't know. And so we're hesitant on how we operate in natural faith. And until it becomes secure, until we know that chair will hold us, we have the tendency to go, is it going to hold us? And then all of a sudden you flop down on those seats because you, you have natural faith now that the seat's going to hold you. So pretty much anywhere you go, you see a chair, you're going to sit down until it cracks. It breaks on you, and then you're like, whoa, I need to make sure next time. And so we're, we're, we're trying to get to the place where we're going to get to the place where we recognize the difference between the two. And the reason why this is so, so vital is, is that God is wanting you to operate in faith. And if you think about what faith is, the concept of faith, it is not what faith are you. In other words, it's not a religious statement. That's what religion created. Faith is not a, a tag of who, what you believe in or who you belong to. Faith is the operation of your new spiritual life. You understand that? It's the operation of your new spiritual life. But in, in the concept of what we're talking about, faith is awesome. 
Because it's literally dealing with things that's tied to needs, desires, wants, uh, increase, healing. I mean, all these different areas. And you're thinking, faith is so awesome. And God wants us to walk in it, live in it. And then we have this Christian life, this life we've accepted. And we're looking for this thing and saying, where is it? How come it's not working? How come my prayers? How come I didn't? How come I get, you know, we have all these why it's not working. And in the scripture, I just don't see that as being a major issue with people in the scripture. It's, it's, it's weird, almost like we've created a belief system that we think is the majority and we tie it to the Bible as it is. But God looks at it as a minority because he believes and operates in the life of faith. So he communicates that way. That's why it's, we have a difficult time in receiving from him, receiving from the word of God, because he speaks faith. He speaks what God's word speaks. And so he says, you're more than a conqueror and you screwed up all week long. And we're like, I don't get it. How could he? He must not really know me. That's the problem. He does really know you. You just don't know you yet. And the knowledge of you is not tied to your past. That's your old way of training. You're in a new family, which has new rules, which has a new concept of life. And so once we connect with that, we can engage in faith because you all want it. Everybody wants to operate in the definition of I need this taken care of. I need this healed. I need this restored. I need this taken care of. I need a new job. I need this. I need. So we have all these needs and all these desires and all these wants. And we assume that it's just, you know, it's like with God, it's like a lottery. You know, hope your number gets picked one day. Yeah, finally. But that's not what the Bible teaches. So what's the issue? Well, it's, it's the same issue with everything in Scripture. We've allowed religion to define God's truth. In other words, nothing's going to work. It's all messed up. So we can teach this, but come on. It, 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 it's really screwed up in how we look at it through the eyes of religion. But when you take it point blank, all of a sudden things become different. And that's what we want. We want different because we're new creations. Old things are passed away. All things have become different. But we have to learn what different is. Because if we don't, we stay bound to the old ways. And that's not what we're called to be, and that's not who we are. We're actually, as followers of Jesus operating in the Bible, we're actually closer to how God created us in the very beginning before the fall. And that is awesome to think about. You know, the life of, 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 of living in the Garden of Eden, though we don't have it, but the life what God wants us to do is operate in that same concept of being in authority, being in a position of you are uh, uh, in a covenant with God, and he, he's designed you to rule and reign. And we don't rule and reign. We're, we're, we, most of us exist, and it's not, it's not what God wants. He wants us in the driver's seat. He wants us to live life according to his design. And so we have to eliminate how we used to think 
and bring in his understanding, his ways. And that way we can acknowledge him because it's up to him. It's up to his word, his truths for me. Okay. So the word of faith, we recognize that, that Jesus told his disciples, he said, they asked him, they said, increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith. And usually that's in an area where you're looking at yourself and going, I can't do that. And you know what he's talking about when, when Jesus said that? Forgiveness. <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, you think about healing and everything else, but this was used in the area of forgiveness. And Jesus, they were like going, hey, Jesus, how long do we, I mean, how many times do we need to, you know, forgive these people before we just bang? You know, where we just let, go, let it go and just let them have it. How many times, you know, and they, they use what logically would be a religious concept. They use the number seven because they know the words, the number seven is complete, finished. And so they go seven times. And I know, I know they didn't go seven. No, they went like Seven times, like I'm being bold. Seven, you got to be kidding. It's way less than that, but I'll be bold. Seven times, Lord. <laughs> and Jesus goes 70 times seven. And they drop the mic. They freaked out. Like, what do you mean 70 times seven? I don't even know how to do 70 times seven. And so what happened is, is they went to the place of, oh, we got this. Seven times. That's crazy, but we'll say seven. He throws out 70 times seven, and they freak out. In other words, we can't do that. And since we know we can't do that, increase our faith. That is a perfect, perfect time for Jesus in the understanding of religious concept of faith to go, yes, I need to grow your faith so that you can learn to be able to receive that level of growth in your faith. But he didn't. He didn't go that way. He said, if your faith is the size of a mustard seed, he went to the smallest seed that they understood. In other words, he's saying, it ain't about growth. It's about use. It's about putting your faith to work. He said, if you had faith this size, you could say, put it to work. You could say, believe. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, you guys, listen to me. I have the keys of the life that you're supposed to be living. And it's tied to your ability to hear my words and do them. And what you need is you need mustard seed faith. And you can say, you can say to this mountain, you can say to this bush, you can speak to objects on this earth with faith words. And when you are operating in faith, something is going to take place. And it's a picture of a supernatural event happening. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Well, Jesus is nonchalantly throwing that out. God's saying, here, here. And we look at it as, this is, how can you mountain move? How can you? Wow, this is crazy. But God's not saying it with, oh, I'll throw it out there, but this seems very difficult. He's throwing it out there to us as if this should be nothing. This should be like a no-brainer. 
Now, we hear the words, we see the words, and we see the reflection of how Jesus is communicating them. Why don't we receive it based upon that? Let, let's use some common sense in the vernacular and how he's communicating to us in a way of matter of fact. And for us to start receiving it that way as if, wait a minute, if this is that almost simplistic, shouldn't the instruction of how to be this way or how to live this way be the same way? And guess what? It is. Know what screws it up? Us, our opinions, our past, religion, all these things affect us from walking this simple position of faith where Jesus says, you got to come to me like a kid. He didn't say act like one. That's what we, they work it. Ah, I'm taking my ball going home. But he said, you got to have this mindset of all things, anything's possible. I just haven't been muddied up yet. I will, you know, in this world, I'll get muddied up either by my parents or my relatives or the neighbors, but I'm going to get muddied up. In the natural, your, your ability to see without boundaries will get muddied. It'll get, you know, when you say, one day I'm going to be a master or not, and everybody laughs at you and breaks it down and says, that's impossible. Look at you. You don't even have new shoes. And, you know, and goes through the whole process of breaking down who you are, where you live, what color you are, what type of language you speak. And pretty soon that child that was dreaming to the stars no longer can. Why? Because they've been dirtied, polluted. I see, I've seen it over the years. In kids' lives. I've seen it over the years in people's lives. And it ought not to be so, but it is. So it's our responsibility to get hold of this stuff. Because, listen, I want you to operate in this area of faith, this level of understanding of faith, to where people around you are just, they're in awe. Because you're living a life that, that they think is, is unattainable. But you're living it. You're operating in it. You're working the same job, a nine to five, or whatever you're doing, same as them. But your life is at a whole different level. In here, up here. And it confounds people. It freaks them out. They don't, they don't know why. Why would you be this way? Why aren't, you, why aren't you going crazy? Why aren't you filled with fear? Why aren't you filled with anxiety? And, and the truth is, is how are we going to show the goodness of God? How are we going to show the love of God? How are we going to show it if we're living like them? And we can't. So this is going to help us get to that next level. Amen. But we got to set faith free. Got to set it, set it free from us. Amen. Again, not more faith. It's faith being used. Now, again, even when I use the word faith, it's our translation um, in the Greek language, pistuio, pistis. And we're not going to say that. 
you know, we're going to go around. I got to build my piece this up. You know, people are thinking you have to use the restroom or something. But anyway, but you know what I'm saying? Just throwing that out there. And that's how my mind works. A little freaky, but that's okay. I enjoy it. And so what happens is, is we're using the word faith. And please understand this. And, and I want you to lean in right now because these simple things are some of the, the biggest mind-blowing understandings when it comes to God's word that I can give you. But sometimes I say it in a way that, that seems so elementary that we blow past the importance of it. And that is just the word faith. Now, God's word faith is totally different than the way we usually use faith in our terminology. The way we've been brought up. Hey, what faith are you? Anybody ever hear that? Anybody ever see it on an application? What faith are you? Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. So the concept of faith, it, it is so mixed up with the world system and religion that it loses what it really is when we're reading and, and studying it. And so it's so vital to hear this because first and foremost, you engage in you. And that's what I try to get people to do more than anything else. And engaging is you is for you to recognize, yeah, I got these things. They are there that can affect me. The way I was trained, the way I was raised, the way I was brought up. We do it in the natural and I'll never be like my parent. I'll never be like, I'll never. We say that, but then we live our lives and we do it. But we say it with the attitude of that's not what I want to be, but ultimately you be what you didn't want to be. And then people hate to hear that because you act like your mom. You act like your dad. You act like, and you're talking to a 30-year-old. But the thing is, is we don't want to hear that. But so what? If you don't change this, you repeat that. It's human nature. It cannot be changed. It's how we're brought up. The only way you change is to have change. That's the only way. We operate in the natural up here, the area of our soul, the area of our mind. Our spirit only engages with the ability to empower or overcome is when the mind, the understanding, is putting things down into the heart. You stop it here, it can't do anything here. You can have all the greatest tomato seeds in the world, organic ones, and look at the pack and hold it up and go, I got the greatest. But see, no one's ever going to taste one of those things until you can get it in the ground. But wait a minute. Just getting in the ground ain't going to do it because I can put it in the ground that's all messed up. And what's going to happen? Nothing. I can put it in the ground that's got a bunch of weeds. What's going to happen? Very little. Very little. So see, I can, I can take good, awesome seeds, but if they aren't planted into good ground, I'm not going to receive what I'm supposed to. And what am I supposed to? Back to elementary. I'm supposed to receive multiplication. Not one for one exchange. The seed has everything within it. It's DNA to multiply, not with 
I'm going to put the seed in. I hope the seed agrees with me. And the seed goes, well, I can only give two for one. The seed don't do that. The seed only knows one thing, to grow and multiply. It's all it knows. Now, there's hindrances. There's, there's different things that can affect it. But in the DNA of the seed, multiplication. Now, that's very simple to understand because we all go, yeah, duh, of course. I'm, I'm telling you everything about God's word. It's the same exact thing. Jesus said to the disciples about the most important parable for spiritual truth that you can understand, he talked about the sower sows the word. And then he said, the seed is the word. So I just explained to you the DNA of God's word and no one's going crazy in applause right now. You understand what I'm saying? It's not difficult, not rocket science. It, it's, it's simple. What I just said to you is this. Everything in God's word is designed through God's creation to bring multiplication. That in itself means it's prosperous. Just think the word prosperous. Not bountiful, fruitful, just prosperous. Now, fill in the blank. I wish my marriage was. I wish my health was. I wish I could do my job. And you can keep going and going and going. Anywhere, anywhere in your life, you can put the word prosperous and feel good. You guys with me? Everybody understand me out there? Okay. So we have to look at this correctly and say, okay. Now, in the area of hope, this is the, where we've been talking about the, the three powers that, that faith must have operating with it. Okay. These are the, the three, like, um, standards or the three guy wires of faith that are holding up the power of faith. And in the area of faith, we need to look at this in a way that we say, okay, God's called us to life of faith, to live faith. Faith is inside my new created spirit. So the devil can't take my faith. All right. The devil can't touch this. No, 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 no. All right. You can't touch this faith. Why? Because it's in my spirit. God is there. The devil can't go in and reach in and grab my faith. He can't touch this. All right? He can't touch this. Now think about this because we are living this life where something's getting touched. Right? Something's getting touched. And that is a, create, a, a, a correct assumption. Something is, but it's not your faith. But what is, what is religion? What does the quote, churches teach? It's an issue of your faith. You got mature faith, weak faith. You don't have enough faith. You're this faith. Totally opposite of what scripture teaches. Now I understand there are a couple translations talk about Jesus saying weak faith and we assume he's talking about specifically faith, which contradicts the Bible, but we won't go that way. We'll just get into what scripture really teaches, okay? Everything about scripture, about the Lord is in context of God's word. Not any sentence. 
He's not, he's not operating on, I hope you can get this. He speaks truth. Do you get it or not? It doesn't matter. It's like when Jesus, uh, after uh, him telling the disciples, let's go to the other side, uh, with uh, the bread and the feeding of the 5,000 and, and all this miracle that they just partook of, and he's going this other side, and now they're coming to this place where he knows the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, all the religious are going to be waiting for him. And he says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they look at each other and go, did you guys bring bread? Did, did you forget the bread? Oh, my God. And they start arguing about bread. Now, Jesus already knows they're dumb. <laughs> he already know, he know. He knows their thoughts. He knows. Christ knows these things. Amen? And this is what's important because what's happening is, is he don't care. He's going to speak truth. They go around going, <laughs> I don't get any bread. I mean, it's, it's almost ridiculous because we're reading it. We're the armchair quarterbacks, you know. We're like going, you dummies. I can get this one. But no, you couldn't have because we could probably show your life right now and you see a lot of dumb going on. But, you know, we're all guilty of that, right? So the thing is, is they, they freaking out. Jesus goes, listen to me. And so he has to explain to them, but what does he do up front? He's going to speak truth. He's not dumbing it down for any of us. Why? Because we don't need to. We don't need to have it that way. We need truth. It's our responsibility to get to the truth, not Jesus' responsibility to water it down for us. That's not how success is, is, is lived. Success is you need to do this. Now, if you don't want to do this, you're not going to get it. And so what do we have? We have a culture that waters down everything, and you're not going to ever get the results you want. You'll never. It's when it's laid out there, yeah, there's going to be some sweat and blood, sweat and tears. It's going to cost you. It's going to be some sacrifice. You go in that gym, it ain't going to be you spend an hour on, you know, your Instagram. It happened too many times where I said, enough's enough. I don't, my time is too valuable. And see, that's the problem is, is they don't understand the value of time. And if you want to be successful, time's money. In other words, there's value to every second of the day. Now, you might be thinking, oh, that's crazy to think that way. No, that's God way of thinking. Just because you want to put just a dollar sign on it, I don't. When I say time is value, I'm not just putting a dollar sign on it. I'm talking about every bit of time is precious. You're only allotted amount of time. That's it. I mean, we live for eternity, but right now, we're not eternity in the natural. So we need to respect that and honor it and pay attention to time in a, in a, different, in a different way. But to engage in this time that we live in, God's give us his faith to operate in so that we can start seeing hope coming into manifestation. Remember, Hebrews 11 says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what is that really saying? What is hope? Hope is actually future. Hope would be like you dream. When you dream, it's not real. It's not, you can't touch it, you can't feel it. It's a dream. And what faith is doing is faith connecting to 
that un, untouchable, that thing that's out there, and it brings substance to your dream, your hope. And I'm not talking about fantasy. I'm talking about a dream tied to what God's word communicates to us. Something that we have a right to, something that belongs to us. And there's a whole lot more than you probably think. And that's what we want to know is we want to know all that is available to us. But that's what hope in general is. It's that place of getting faith in a position of substance. It coming to tangibility, something we can grab hold of and touch. It comes to earth. And that's, the, that's what hope and faith connected are. Because see, like I said last week, faith has to have a target. It's this big old, you know, this big old powerhouse, you know, on top of the roof, has the ability to heat and cool, but it's just sitting there, just sitting there. And what do you do? You target the thermostat, future, and that faith just waits, waits, and all of a sudden, bam, it hits that. And then, boom, and it starts working. It starts operating. And again, it's what God teaches in scripture in the area of hope. So we're, we're, we're understanding, okay, in this area of hope, it's so, so valuable and so important that there are two areas that affect the area of hope. Devil can't come in and take faith, but it can disrupt hope. And we all know that. We all know that. He can come in and disrupt it. But guess what? We do as much as he does. We disrupt hope as much as the enemy does. And that's a very, very tough point to understand. Sometimes we're our worst enemies. How we feel, how we think, again, how we've been trained, what we decide to put off and what we decide to put on, which the Bible teaches you are to put on and to take off. To take off the old ways? Well, y'all know you have more than one old way. So it's not talking about take off this coat and it's all done. It's talking about a process. Once an old way is seen, understood, you take it off, but you never take it off with nothing being put back on. Do you see what I'm saying? It's a concept. You take something off. It means you need to be wearing something. So you need to put something on. He says, take off the old, the old guy, the old gal, and put on the new guy, the new gal. But that's not one time. It's, okay, I'm living through life, and I see old man coming out. Whoop, take off that old man and put on new man. But see, the problem is, is a lot of us don't know what the new man looks like. We, you know, we took out that old man coat and we picking up new man socks and that's wrong. It ain't the right thing. That sock ain't going to fit you like a coat will, right? Are you guys seeing this? So it just helps us understand that, wait a minute, this is revealing this stuff. I'm not talking about stuff that I'm, you know, this is pretty good teaching. I think I'll just make it up. This is everything I've learned in here, everything. So what I'm doing is, is I'm, I'm, I'm teaching or, or talking about things that in a way should start becoming common sense to us. And that's the simplicity of, of this word, the simplicity of it. And it's got to be simple because we're not that smart. 
right? Even when we think we are, we're not. We need to be able to get up and, and operate in this without it being a difficult thing. I mean, Jesus goes up to the 12 dumbest guys on the planet Earth. These guys weren't great. And he says, follow me, and I'm going to make you world changers. You're going to be fishers of men. I'm going to make you. But he didn't go to the best and the brightest. He went to the, he went to the ones he knew was going to give him a hard time. He knew he was going to have to rebuke him openly, and everybody's going to see it forever. But it didn't matter. It didn't matter. What mattered is, is they went, okay, we'll follow you. Okay, who didn't bring the bread? Okay, it's a ghost. Okay, I'll never, for, I'll never leave you, Jesus. I'll, I'll die for you. Where are they at? They ran. Okay, and it just goes on and on and on of how crazy they were. So all I know is I take that and I look at myself and I say, I got hope. I got hope. I mean, it was really simple for me to start getting engaged in Jesus on my side. It was breaking down the, the, the area of what love is to me in the natural and what love is to me through his word that, that took the longest time. That was very difficult. And I'm sure it is a lot of times with us, with you, the same way, where it's hard to grasp this love that God has for us. It's crazy. It's really, really difficult. But we're looking at Abraham's faith also. And remember, he didn't have a Bible. He didn't have scriptures. There was nothing for him to read. But he believed God. And we saw in scripture the, the key to how faith operates. And we saw in Romans chapter one where God said in his word that even the, the creation screams there is a God. So we know that just being walking around, you can look at it and, and determine God made this. That's it. I mean, it will happen, but you have to be taught other things to get to a different conclusion than God made this, all right? Don't assume that it's the other way around. No, it's, it's the number one conclusion is God made this, but then you have to fight that and go, no, it didn't. I came from a monkey, you know, and you just have to build other beliefs, but the first and foremost will be there is a creator. God created this. It's, it's obvious. That's what scientists have a problem with. They can't, they can't deal with the Big Bang, they deceive, they, they communicate words that don't even make sense, all to describe a Big Bang. They, they know scientists, except ones that understand that God did this, but no scientist can even explain how, why are there planets? Where where'd this stuff come from? It, it, it just, it, always there? How could it be always there? But that's the, that's the simple way of just going, oh yeah, it's always just been there. It just happened. But once you start seeing it, it doesn't work that way. Because this is the only place that doesn't have chaos. Everything out in space has chaos. They can't figure it out. They're going to still talk about outer space, man. They're still going to talk about, yeah, there's, there's people out there somewhere. But they'll never, ever, 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 I don't care how many times they pretend 
they're never going to come up with it. it. It's impossible. Because God created the heavens and the earth. And he created earth. And we're on here. This is his plan. So you can look out there all you want. You can, you know, look for falling stars or falling, you know, whatever, or, you know, UFOs, all you want. I mean, you, you can. And, 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 and is there, you know, unidentified flying objects? Oh, my gosh. Of course there is. They're all over the place. You understand? I mean, sometimes I see a kite, and I'm thinking, what is that? That's a UFO. <laughs> no, by definition, it's a UFO. And then I look like, wait a minute, what is that? And then I identify it. And now it's not a UFO anymore. It's a kite. Have you ever seen a kite where it's sitting there, where, I mean, a balloon that goes up, and, and it's one of those um, metallic ones, and it's got this, it's hitting the sun just right, and it's just glowing? What is that? That's a UFO. And then you realize, no, it's a balloon. But at one point, it was a UFO. I just don't put aliens with them. So in other words, I mean, there's all kinds of... Now, I understand you can listen to different radio stations and everything else and convince yourself that there are outer space people. Whatever. You, you, you want to believe that? That's on you. It doesn't matter. I, don't, I really don't... It, it, it's like, okay. You know? It's when you try to create doctrine out of that. Why you try to tie it to, thus saith the Lord. You know, that's when you, you got off track. But if you want to believe in, you know... Star Trek and Star Wars and all that, um, in a true sense, you open up your life to a lot of crazy things. Let's put it that way. You do. You're just going to open your life to crazy things. Point is, is people can always have assumptions and opinions and beliefs, but the danger is when they try to make it fact. You know, when they start using the term science, when even science doesn't agree, but they still use it, it's sad. But, hey, the majority of people aren't as smart as you guys. So they're just going to waddle down the road with them. But we're not that way. We're wise, wise men and women. We might not know everything. We might not have it all. But that's okay. We have God's wisdom available to us. We're getting there. Amen? Amen? We're getting there, and that's the key, all right? So let's break down Abraham's faith just a little bit again, a little bit, because I, I want to show you, and the reason why I want to do this is because, first and foremost, when we talk about Abraham, we're not talking about a Jew, all right? We're not talking about Israel. Do you understand this? The reason why this is so important, because a lot of times we hear Abraham or terms like that, and all of, all of a sudden we relate it to Israel. But it, it, I can say this. One time he was called Hebrew. And the reason why it's called a Hebrew is, is it literally meant that he has no affiliation. He, he goes over. He goes through. In other words, it's just a statement about Abraham as they looked at him. He's not a Canaanite. He's not from some other tribe. He just travels through. He doesn't belong here. He travels through. And the concept of the word Hebrew, that's what it means. And the word Israel didn't happen, you know, for 360-some years after Abraham. 360-some years, the name Israel came, but Israel didn't become a nation until, like, 
600 and some years after Abraham. I mean, it started with the children of Israel at Exodus. Do you understand? The term Jew didn't take place till they came out of Babylon. And the term Jew is actually a short term for Judah, the tribe of Judah. And that was pretty much the, the major tribe at the very end. That's about 2 Kings. At the very end of Israel becoming Israel and Judah, becoming Israel wiped out and Judah the only one left. And pretty soon they come out of Babylon and they now shorten the term and they call them Jews. That's where that came from. It has nothing to do with Abraham. That's why scripture says Abraham is the father of our faith. Abraham will be a father of nations, plural. It's just not aligned just with one specific group, though there is one group that God was going to work through to ultimately bring us Jesus. And that all makes natural sense. But just to throw that in there, because I don't want you to look at this and go, well, this is, we're not Jews. We're not, you know, a part of, of that group. And that's why Romans and Galatians and other, book, other, other letters are getting us information to say, listen, this is for you. You're in the church age, and it's time for you to start operating in what rightfully belongs to you through the covenant that we have with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to die for us. And then to give us Paul to open up that revelation to us Gentiles. Amen? To say, hey, you coming into this thing, you coming in big. Now let's live this life that you are only going to be the ones to operate in. We're not before. We're not Old Testament. We're not after in the tribulation on. We're in the church age. We're in this age that only, only we are operating in all this awesomeness. Only we get to. When the church goes and they go through the tribulation and the millennium, there's no prophecies and tongues and all this stuff. There's none of this stuff happening anymore, which is amazing. So you're very, very special. So let's just understand that specialness, okay? Let's get it. Romans 4, 17, as I have written, I have made you a father of many nations. Now remember, we're, we're understanding Abraham's faith. He didn't have the Bible. He, he, he looked at creation. He listened to probably, you know, his great-great-great-great-grandpa Shem. Noah was on the planet. There, there's, of course, there has to be a complete connection with them somehow. Somehow there's a relationship of what Shem knew, who outlived Abraham, and his instruction and teachings on, oh, yeah, the flood and God, and, and we, we need to be living this way, not that way, because this is what destroyed the world. That teaching's out there. So Abram, who later became Abraham, had to have that information. Faith comes by hearing, and that word is uh, the rhema, word of God. That's the spoken word, that revelation of the word coming forth, that built that belief system for him to make a decision. Are you guys with me? All right. He says, in the presence of whom he, uh, of him who he believed, that describes his faith, God who gives life to the dead and calls those things 
that be not as though they were. And when you understand that, you understand faith communicates. See, we know as, as in the natural, we understand that everything that comes out of our mouth is tied to what we think. Period. You, everything I speak is not just coming out. It's processed here and it's going through here. And I cannot say anything different than what my mind is telling me to say. Mind, mouth, mind, mouth, mind, mouth. Can't. Everything coming out is working right here. Do you see that? So my communication, your communication is mind, mouth, mind, mouth, mind, mouth. Now, can you have feeling? Oh, certainly I have feeling, but it's not feeling mouth. It's feeling mind, mouth. But is it that way? No, it's mind, which creates a feeling, which comes out of the mouth. Everything starts with the mind. You guys see this? Oh, you can have experience of fear. You can have experience of sadness. Now, be, I'm talking about before anything. You ever watch something, and I won't say I've ever done this, but watch something and the thing, the program's doing something, and all of a sudden, you got a tear? Not that it ever happened to me. And then another tear, and all you're doing is watching something. What's happening? I'm not saying, believe me, I'm not going, no, oh, I just love this. Oh my gosh. I'm not saying anything. Pastor Lau is, are you crying? <laughs> One of the reasons why she does that is she's already got a, she's got a faucet of tears. <laughs> and just because I love her, I say, yes, I do. <laughs> I am. And usually it's because in the movies I poke my eyes so it'll cry. But the point is, is it'll come. But what's happening, that's a feeling. Now, why am I saying that? Because the feeling without the communication is something that's not out of control. It's something that cannot be in a position that leans toward a negative. The negative in the emotion comes when the thought starts connecting to words and you start communicating through that emotion. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just saying then and only then can there be an opportunity where it gets off track completely. And so the communication part is what will affect the emotion. See, you can be mad. You can get mad of a thought. I wonder if they mowed the yard, but you didn't say it. The moment you start communicating the thoughts of agitation, fear, whatever, the moment you start communicating, you all know this, that communication usually doesn't stop. It starts becoming amplified. And pretty soon your emotion even goes further and it builds further. Why? Because when you release words from the mind, it's almost like it's, it's, it's got the supply and it's released, but now it's wanting another supply because you're releasing. And what we do is we, wisdom communicates what it, what it knows, but majority don't operate by wisdom. We want to add. So all of a sudden addition starts happening and addition in the mind literally means multiplication. There's an amplifying, God, this is really good, by the way. I wish I wrote this stuff down. So what happens is, is you can sit there and get mad and go, God, I can't believe they did that. 
But pretty soon, I can't believe they did that to that. Now is they're losers. I can't stand them. And they've done this last year. And they're, do, they're the most this and that. All of a sudden, how did it go from there? Because once it comes out of the mouth, it changes. But let's look at the reciprocal of that, and that's faith. Once we speak that faith out, we now have the ability to really ride that faith into the level that we need. And that's total and complete assurance. Believe God has healed me. And all of a sudden, it's I believe God has healed me. And I walk in this covenant. And I believe God, it's my, his desire. And I'm taking it to another. It was just one point. Now it's going increase, increase, increase. To where I can go off and talk about all kinds of good things because I've opened my mouth in the area of faith. You guys getting this? Do you understand this? All right. So and again, all you have to do is practice this, which you're going to do anyway, everybody in here. You're going to think and speak. And what we want to do is we want to tie it into hope. Now, remember, hope is not defined as good. Hope is hope. Hope is not defined as good. Hope is hope. You can hope by your mouth, by your thoughts of confident expectation for bad. I'm going to get fired. This marriage is not going to work. And and all these negatives, that's hope, people. That's confident expectation of something bad happening. And so what do you do? You start not only believing it, but guess what else you do? This is scientific fact. I'm not even talking scripture. Scientific fact. The moment you start speaking those negative things, your physical body connects to it. If you start speaking negative and negative, negative, all of a sudden you start getting sick. It starts affecting your heart. Ulcers. Things happen in your body. Why? Because you got an anger disease jumped on you. Someone went, oh, I can't stand life. Hurt you. And you got that, oh, you got anger all over me. How dare you? Oh, my gosh, anger. I'm just going to be angry now because you sneezed anger on me. We know that not to be true. So there is no sickness or something that can be translated to you. It's based upon what you think and what you speak. You start thinking negative, start thinking angry thoughts. This is already, again, medical science backs us up, fearful thoughts. It starts doing what? Those words bring blessing or cursing, life or death. You can sit there and be related. Oh, you can say that it don't mean nothing. Yeah, it's just the problem that this has already been proven. This is not something that we're just throwing out there in church. This has already been proven in, you love the word, science. It's already been proven. Proven. It's going to affect your body. Well, why do we only focus that it's a fact, it'll do it, Well, if it can do it in the negative, it can do it in the positive. Period. There's just not one way. So when you start speaking positive, not, you know, this flaky sunshine positive, God's word positive, and you start speaking that out, you start speaking health, you start speaking strength, you start speaking these things out, your body only believes what you think and speak. 
It believes it. Your body believes you. And I know it's rough because now we look at our lives and we're going, man, I put myself there. Yeah, you did. But you can get yourself out of there. I know it's not going to be easy, but you can. And choose to. That's all I'm saying. Choose to. And let's get this life correctly. Amen? So God calls those things as though they were, that they don't exist, exist naturally, but he speaks as though they did. Period. Light be. Light wasn't even here. But he spoke it. Light. Isn't that interesting? So he's creating something that wasn't even there. But he spoke it as if what? It was there. That's awesome. I know those are difficult. There's like brain, like, you know, you, you suck down a you know, slurpy too quick, and you're like, ah, gosh. You know, some of those type of thoughts. Okay, only I have those things. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is do you guys see what I'm saying? So it's the same way with us. A lot of you, you know, you haven't had health. You haven't had prosperity. You haven't had things. So it's like it don't exist. And so you communicate exactly that. It don't exist. But now the faith is telling you, no, you need, to, you need to communicate as it has existed. It exists. Well, how do you do that? Well, you got to go to where it lines up with that. And then all of a sudden you start seeing scripture, overcoming, healing, prosperity, where Jesus, his word speaks it. Well, that means it exists. It hasn't in your life. And now you're seeing something that laying out there that doesn't exist, but you speak forth as it does exist. That's the area of faith, the area of hope. Are, you, are we getting this a little bit? Okay. Everybody getting it out there? All right. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. Who contrary to hope, in hope believed. We're talking about whose faith? Abraham's, father of our, of our faith. He operated in a level of faith that we want to get to because, again, he didn't have a Bible. See, we want to tie everything to Bible. You know, if I don't have that, I can't. Well, then let's get rid of Abraham and the rest of the people that are in Hebrews chapter 11. Let's get rid of them all because they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have scriptures. But somehow they operated in a level of faith that put them in the heroes of faith. How'd that happen? How'd it happen? They got to a place of belief. They were unmovable on their belief. Now, they had specific laws that they were abiding by. But when it came down to this connection with God, they believed completely. And they were able to do what? See crazy things. Stand in the midst of fire. Sleep with lions. I mean, some crazy, crazy things. Why? Because of their faith. They believed. Now God's got us in this position where we've got this word. We've got the gathering together. We've got some really simplicity a simple life in faith, and we're having a very difficult time. And there, it was life or death. Well, if that can happen there, then it can happen here. It's just we've allowed ourselves to dumb down this thing to where it's not even relevant or to allow the people, religion, things out there to define this incorrectly. Now it's bringing it back to simplicity, right? So it says, who on contrary to hope, in hope believed, 
this is something we need to see because literally the word contrary is para, and it actually means a different or something besides. It's not the thing. It's something different, and it's operating beside. Now, why is this important? Because it's what we deal with all the time in the area of faith. Because the area of hope has the hope we wish would happen, the natural hope. We want this to be better, but we don't have Bible hope. We just have natural hope. I want this to be better. I want this relationship to be better. I want the job to be better. It's not biblical hope. We're really abiding in the area of hope. It's a natural hope. And so this is what happens is there's a place where it's living alongside us. And then God comes and clean this information up. And he says, contrary to hope, in other words, this is another picture. In hope, he believed. In hope, he believed. What was the issue? The issue was, is the natural was this. Well, he goes on to say it right here. And not being weak, this is really messed up in how it sounds. So I'm going to write my translation. I created a translation. But let me read it, what it sounds in New King James. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Now you read that and you're like going, what? It sounds like it contradicts. It's just because it's the way it's tied to King James and the new King James is a simple, simple uh, reading of King James. But even in how it's written, let me, let me share with you original translation. It'll help you a lot. My translation, verse 19. Abraham's belief was not weakened. Through natural faith, he regarded the facts. Okay? I'm 100 years old. Sarah, she never going to have babies. Okay? So, but it's, it says here. Now remember, it said, not being weak in faith, I put Abraham's belief was not weakened. Because it's not about faith. It's about belief. You understand what I'm saying? This is, see, we're using the term faith, but we can't always operate in the concept of this supernatural picture. It's this, this empowerment of believing. So here he is going, I see the picture, I'm old. I see the picture of Sarah, never gonna happen. But it didn't rock what it says here. It didn't change Abraham through natural faith. He regarded the facts, being 100 years old, his body was already good as dead, and Sarah could not have children. But with supernatural faith, he overcame the natural picture. Supernatural faith, he overcame the natural picture. So what happened is something had to engage with them from, I'm 100 years old. Sarah has never had kids. We've been married for a long time now. No kids. Everybody knows Sarah's, Sarah's barren. Everybody knows it. 100 years old, Sarah's barren. He's got this picture. And then besides, something else comes along. There's another picture here. Where'd this picture come from? It's not a picture he created. It's a picture he received. You hear this? 
God gave him another picture. We have to have, remember what I said, you got to have different information. If you don't have different information, you don't get a different picture. You can wish and hope and, and you want all this stuff, but if you don't have the different picture, which is God's word, God said, I have made you a father of nations. You're going to have a child. He's saying this. Abraham now is in a position where he's looking at natural hope that's operating besides, and then this new picture comes in. And he goes like this. I believe in this one. But this one's, woo, it's real. This is tangible. You know, he's getting up in the morning, feeling the cracks and all the pain, you know. He's feeling it. I mean, he's experiencing all this stuff. But... This word has become his reality. That's what hope does. It changes. It's like all of a sudden vitality rises within him. He no longer is in the place where natural hope or the picture here overrides God's word. It was difficult at the beginning, but he came to a place where he said, no, this is my picture now. Then he starts this new picture where he changes. The names change now. Now he's no longer Abram, it's Abraham. He's not only saying, I got the name of a father of many nations. He's now telling other people, talk this way to me. You know what they're doing? You're crazy, dude. We've known you for years. And they look at this situation, but it doesn't matter. He's in the position where you want relationship with me. You call me Abraham. You don't want to call me Abraham going down the road. But my name's Abraham. See, you might be thinking, well, they need to believe. No, they don't. He needs to hear it. He needs to hear it. Hey, now, now remember, the Hebrew word Abraham means father of many nations. Okay? So this is what he's saying. Hey, father of many nations, is it okay if I go over here? Father of many nations, are you ready to eat faith? Father of many nations, would you like me to do? Father of many nations, it's time to get up. Father of many nations, what do you want for supper? Father of many nations, where should I take the, the, the donkeys? Father of many, that's all he's hearing now. Going to people that, you know, other people in the land. What's your name? Abraham, father of many nations. Oh, okay, father of many nations. How you doing? Nice to see you, father of many. It's all he's hearing now. Lined up with what? His confident expectation, his hope. And now faith is engaged. Faith is now engaged. Faith is engaged to what? What we need to be believing for. And you need to decide, what are you going to start believing? His word, God's word, or your circumstances? Because I'm going to tell you right now, your, your circumstances talk to you. And you talk back to them. And you not only do that, but you let everybody know your name. Can't afford it. Hey, I can't afford it. Can't afford it. I've never been able to afford it. No, no, we can't afford that kind of stuff. Hey, look, there's can't afford it over there. Hey, can't afford it. You want to go to lunch? Can't afford it. I know you ain't going to pay for it. Can't afford it. But see, we're not looking at it that way. It's too realistic. It's too real. We want to, you know, hide this stuff. But we can't any longer. Why? Because the Bible's there. It's real. It's right before us now. You're accountable to this stuff now. Amen? So there's the attack on our part, where this natural picture is saying, don't do it. And what does that lean toward? Unbelief. Unbelief. 
when we operate in the area of looking at the natural, we start not believing God's word. It's very clear. Remember the disciples with Jesus? Um, Jesus sent them out. Sent them out, empowered them to heal. And they went out healing, healing, casting out devils, healing, casting out devils. They were on, a, they were on this, this power trip of supernatural happening. They come back to Jesus and said, man, demons are running. Everything, it's happening. You gave us power. We operate in that power and demons are on. I mean, they're subject to us. And they're rejoicing and they're all excited about it. And then all of a sudden, there's another time that comes up where Jesus is coming up to the disciples. They've been out doing their thing. But all of a sudden, everybody comes running to them. And Jesus says, what you guys talking about? He goes straight to the religious. What you guys been talking to them about? Actually, he said, what, what are you guys arguing with my disciples about? What are you arguing about? You're contentious. You're evil. Why are you arguing with my disciples? That's the first thing he said to the people. They all came running to him. And then a man speaks up and says, I asked your disciples. He asked the, the religious a question. This guy rises himself up and says, I asked your disciples to heal, cast out a devil, and they couldn't do it. Just throws it out there. Now, what did Jesus say? Jesus deals with the situation. The disciples are with him, and they said, why couldn't we do it? Legitimate question. I mean, legitimate question to, we've been doing it all the time. How come we couldn't do it here? I'm not going to give you a religious response. I'm going to give you the truth of God's word. Religion loves to comment on something that's, that's either not in original text or added in original text. But it's added by prayer and faith. I mean, by fasting and prayer. And so they tie it to that. But that's not even relevant because, number one, why would Jesus tie something to fasting when he told everybody, my disciples don't fast. They don't fast. This, they're, they're with me right now. There'll be time when they do, but they don't fast. And wait a minute, how'd the demons be coming out of people when they didn't fast? See, again, religion is always going to be caught in the act with their pants down. In other words, they're messed up. Religion is messed up, but it's always trying to pervert the power of God in our lives, always. It hates it. So to do everything you can, say you can't, you can't. And so what happens now is, is disciples stand there going, why couldn't we? Jesus answers the question, because you haven't been praying and fasting. No, he said, your unbelief, your unbelief. And then he goes in, if you had belief, if you had this tiny belief, that's what he did. Unbelief cost you. Now, what we have is a picture of them casting out demons. Bam, bam, bam. They're sent out by twos and just blowing it up. The picture now in Mark, it, it, it reveals what happened. The guy comes to him, and there's a crowd of people. And the religious, they bring him a demon-possessed guy. There's a crowd, and there's religion. And they're all standing looking at the disciples. They're all performing. They've been awesome. Now they got a crowd. Now they got the religion. Go ahead, do it. You can't do it. Go ahead, go ahead. And, and just blasting them. And the scripture says they are arguing 
intensely with them. The crowd actually is a word where they're thronging upon them almost in in an attitude of there's no order whatsoever. So you got the crowd pushing, you got the religious going, it ain't gonna happen, you guys don't have nothing. And all this is happening, all of a sudden the disciples are like going, uh, come on, come on, please. Nothing's happening. Jesus said, unbelief. How did unbelief come in? The crowd and religion. Got them double-minded. Nothing can happen. They asked, why? Why couldn't we do it? Unbelief. Then, in, listen, again, translation in some original manuscripts and others, this was either added or you can read it. I have no problem reading it because I know the scripture. I can take the, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. I can handle that because I teach and I receive by context. I don't go by a scripture. I go by context of what Jesus is talking about and context, this way, horizontally, of God's word. So I got God's word, and I got context of scripture. And what I see this. Unbelief can only be affected or helped through getting spiritually on track. And fasting some of you should know this, gets the flesh down and get your mind clear. It will. Science says it will. Get your mind clear. And he says, this kind of unbelief, when you're dealing with religion and you're dealing with crowds and you're dealing with performance, you've got to be on, you've got to be on top of the game. And that means you've got to have this body under control. That's the answer, by the way. That's the answer. So that's the attack. The second attack is the enemy. Unbelief and the devil. Listen, the devil can only attack here. This. He can't attack anything. He can't come and, and punch you. He can't do anything physically to you. He can only attack here. Also understand this. Attack here can only happen if accepted. He doesn't even have the power to force it and make you. It has to be accepted. That's why scripture is very clear on your thoughts and what you think about and how you control it. It says take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Do what? Take every thought captive. It talks about casting down vain imaginations. The Greek language is literally this. Destroy. Just casting down literally means to destroy. Destroy vain imaginations is logismos. It literally means logical thinking destroy logical thinking and everything that lifts itself against God's word. So it's saying when you're operating in a level that, that you, you need to operate in, you're going to be aggressive to your natural way of thinking. This is logical. I'm too old. This is logical. The doctor said this is logical. So you got the logic, but it says you can't play with it. You've got to destroy it. Why is it so violent? Because he's talking about here. Let it live. It's going to affect you. Everybody in here knows this for a fact. You know things that you've had struggles with. You've, 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 known, you've known emotions and sorrow and whatever, anger, that you've carried on for a long period of time. How come? Because it's so powerful that it was such a powerful... No, no. Because you think about it. You meditate on it. Man, I got to do a part three on hope. 
You guys get something this morning? I know I did. Thank you, Jesus. Man, God is good. Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the information this morning, and we're going to walk in this stuff. And as we're learning these truths, we believe that, that help, your help, will take place when we make the decision to continue down this path. You empower, you strengthen, you give us boldness to be able to walk this walk correctly when we make the right choices. So that's what we're going to do. Make the right choice to live the true life of hope and get faith and manifestation in our lives. It's something we demand because we demand God to be seen alive. We demand the goodness of God to come alive. We demand the, the life of our Father being shown all out this world of how awesome he is in our lives. We demand it because we want to see God's goodness, not only in our lives, but others. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.